Hey everyone, I uh, want to thank you for taking a few minutes to come join us on The Huddle uh, today. And uh, today I've got a couple outside guests I think you'll be excited to hear from. Uh, I've got Mark Brown and Matt Mimone, who are the CEO and COO, I think I got that right, of uh, Sazerac. And Sazerac is a, is a company you'll like to hear about with some, some brands I'm sure that uh, many of you have heard of. So first, uh, guys, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, thanks. And uh, you've had um, an interesting year, like all companies. But before we get into the year, um, a quick overview of Sazerac would be great so that uh, the viewers and listeners know what, what it is that the two of you do. Yeah, we actually date back to the 14th century. So there is evidence of Sazerac in the National Archives in Paris, France. Um, and we actually were an early day conglomerate. So the, the family, the Sazerac family, started out making pots for travelers. Um, and in fact, they uncovered the ruins of the pottery uh, in Angoulême about a year ago. And then they diversified into making bells and had a foundry. And eventually from there opened up a paper mill and also ended up in the brandy business, which is how we got into the alcohol business. And there's an interesting story that we were actually making cannons um, to help with the American War of Independence. So there are documented evidence of the company selling cannons to Ben Franklin and Captain Paul Jones during the War of Independence. And then we hopped across the Atlantic and became a bar in the French Quarter of New Orleans and from the bar became the company. And today we would be the third largest producer of distilled spirits in the world. And we have brands, everything from Pappy Van Winkle, very expensive bourbon, hard to find, to Buffalo Trace, uh, Fireball, uh, Platinum 7X and Southern Comfort. And all up, we've got about 450 brands. That's quite a story to go from uh, making pots in France 600 years ago to the revolution <laughs> in New Orleans and now Louisville, Kentucky, of all places. Yeah, we actually, uh, yeah, we're, we're spread out across the country. We've got plants in Virginia, California, Kentucky. We've got three, Maryland, Maine, Indiana, New Hampshire, Tennessee. Um, um, so... We like, we're not as spread out as quite as spread out as you guys are, but uh, we're in a big number of states these days with manufacturing facilities. Well, it's exciting. And it's, as uh, you just pointed out, these are products that are all made across the United States and in the United States. And, and Mark, I'm sure it's got to be a challenge to maintain such a variety of brands from, you know, from one end of the spectrum, you've got Pappy, Pappy Van Winkle, that's, as you said, hard to find, expensive, love to talk about that. And, and then you've got everyday brands and, you know, far lower price points like like Fireball or Southern Comfort and keeping the brand separate so that the brands have personality must be must be a challenge. I'm sure the teams uh, work really hard on on keeping those brands in the space they occupy. Yeah, we, we like you have had to learn to deal with SKU complexity um, and dealing with a large range of products. And actually, we think it's a competitive advantage because we've been do doing it for so long. I think we've actually become halfway decent at managing a large selection of SKUs. And our competition is not particularly interested in large SKU. And so in fact, it's really turned out to be a competitive advantage. But to your point, we've got a large marketing team 
that spends a lot of time making sure our brands stay in their lanes um, and compete appropriately in their niches. Yeah, I'm sure there are so many temptations to try to find ways to sell more that affect the brand or sell less to change the brand. But it sounds like you've got clear, uh, clear product and uh, personality definitions for all of them. Yeah, we've been able to put that together, which has been nice. Yeah, very good. So this year, um, you got into uh, a new product line uh, as a result of the pandemic we've all faced. So I'd love for you to talk about how that came about, the decision, and how it's going. It's actually was a, a no-brainer for us. Um, so first of all, we have history here. We have the history of actually helping the American War of Independence, but we have three more recent pieces. So in World War I, uh, the Army commandeered the distillery uh, in Kentucky, and we made uh, ammunition um, by supplying um, butyl alcohol which was used in the manufacture of gunpowder. Um, so we were able to help out with World War I. You can also use what we make to make synthetic rubber tires. So we were also helping out by supplying the raw material for synthetic rubber tires. So that, that was a recent history of us immediately helping out with a national need. The same exact thing happened in World War II uh, we, the army came along, we were buying rotten potatoes, which the Department of Agriculture was supplying. And then we would convert that into butyl alcohol for help with the war effort. And then a little bit tongue in cheek, we actually helped out during prohibition. We were one of four distilleries only in the United States licensed to make medicinal whiskey. And in some states during prohibition, if you got sick, you would go to the doctor and that doctor would prescribe three pints of um, whiskey a month. And then you would go down to the pharmacy, which is why the drugstores are in the alcohol vending business and you would fill your prescription. So, and we were doing about a million pints a month during prohibition. So we do like to think that we help the nation get through that rather difficult 13-year period. <laughs> so when, when COVID came along, it was very much in our culture to figure out, all right, how do we get to be helpful here? And we are one of the few companies in the country that had the manufacturing footprint to immediately start making hand sanitizer on an industrial scale. So while a lot of people helped out on a small scale, we had the ability to do it at scale. And it seemed like a very natural thing for us to immediately start doing. And, and you know, you talk about those events as part of recent history and World War One was over a hundred years ago, but I guess in a 600 year old organization that seems recent. Um, but uh, Matt, I'm, I'm assuming that there weren't a lot of notes left for the team, you, you being the chief operator there probably wasn't a guidebook on how you suddenly take a manufacturer that's doing one thing and tomorrow switch it over to something else. What was that like for, for you and your team? Yeah, no, it was a fantastic example of, of teamwork. You know, we, as Mark said, we're, we're very nimble and flexible in innovation, um, but usually we're talking about a few months. In the case of hand sanitizer, really from making the decision to executing the first bottles of hand sanitizer was about nine days. You know, looking and saying, you know, given what was out there and the World Health 
organization approves formula and where the FDA stood was, you know, how can we get a, a safe, effective product out to people quickly? Because as you can imagine, um, and it's still the case, the need, the need was great. So we really looked at, you know, and where we, where our capabilities were and the resources that we had. Um, and then as fate turned out, our ability, as Mark said, to scale was um, pretty rapid. So the product that we produce, the WHO formulas, um, is a very liquid-like hand sanitizer. So we were able to produce that um, and using some of our existing equipment, but at a rate you know, that's very fast, you know, 200 to 300 bottles a minute. Um, so able to really go from never having been in that business before to today, we've produced over 150 million ounces of hand sanitizer from a standing start just in a few months. You uh, went to West Point, is that right? I did, yes. You did. So what, what inspired you to, to take on the life of pursuing and being a cadet and, and uh, what, what got you there first? And, and by the way, thanks for doing that. It's so meaningful to all of us that get to do what we do every day because people like you decided to make that choice. What, what got you into um, in, in the academy and, and inspired you to be a soldier? I uh, was actually recruited to play football at Army. So I played inside linebacker. Um, I had had an interest outside of that, but that's what, what brought me to West Point. And then obviously, you know, that leads out into the, the opportunity to serve. And, you know, it's amazing the, the synergy between military operations, right? And then running operations in, in the business world. Um, so it's, it definitely uh, offered some unique experiences for sure and global experiences, right? So I think it, it kind of prepares you for a lot of these situations where you know, you've got to act well, just what we talked about today, right? Complex problem, need to solve it quickly you know, and get everybody together to do it. So um, no, it was definitely a, definitely a, great, a great experience that I've drawn on many times since. The big lesson you talked talk about there with cadets and, and then officers, there's so much um, that is taught that I've seen in the civilian world with people who have led teams around me or for me or I've worked for that just know how to dynamically think about when you lead from the front and when you lead from the back and when you support from the side. Um, it's amazing to see how many people in, in the general economy uh, started their career somewhere in the military and learned their leadership principles. You know, I think people sometimes have the wrong impression about the military. It is hierarchical, but in reality, you know, like at West Point, it's very much they teach you servant leadership, right? So I think to your point, John, of what, you know, that you like you literally eat last, right? Like you take care of your people first and your people will take care of you. They'll take care of your customers. Um, so I think as long, you know, using those principles certainly is, you know, is very effective. And I think in some ways, um, the military was is pretty good at that, right? And with very large and diverse groups, getting everybody to work together towards the same cause, certainly they they figured some things out. Yeah, and, and that parallel is is real. We we also talk about teach and look for people who are are, are wanting to lead by being a servant. We've got core principles like respecting others, striving to be excellent, serving serving customers, and then operating with integrity. Um, which are all just a click down in my view of, of being a great servant leader because what uh, we do isn't as important as what we can inspire or help people around us be able to accomplish. So our our role in our company is as effective as a leader when the people around us are, are doing better because we're here, not because 
uh, something that we did as individuals. Matt is being very modest, but I came to the United States in 1980, so 40 years ago. And one of the things I've come to love about this country is its energy and its can-do attitude. And it was absolutely on display during this. We had a, a workforce that was scared. They were scared about coming to work. There was a lot of uncertainty around COVID. What did it mean? Was it safe to be at work? How were we going to catch this or not catch this? But all of that was set aside and everybody rolled up their sleeves and said, all right, this is important. How are we going to get this done? And to get it done in the time period was, I thought, just classic American spirit at work. And it was really energizing to see that type of can-do attitude at work during a very difficult time. First, let me say congratulations for, for making that kind of change so quickly. And I know your workforce, your team, they must be so proud of, of each other. I'm sure you're very, very proud of them. But it is, it is a great example of just American ingenuity going to work and figuring it out. I've also been impressed just like you are with your team with Walmart Associates who've done the same thing. They they just decided to to not worry about all the things they were thinking about before. They had, you know, many of the same concerns you're describing and our role of of uh, providing food and and basic consumables across the country. They just they just decided that was the mission and I see it every week when I'm out. People who are just working hard and delighted to serve. So, uh, I think we've got that that in common. Um you know, nine days is, is a quick amount of time to, to do anything, uh, but, but to start manufacturing something in nine days, um, you know, certainly necessity inspired some innovation and you figured out how to do it in, in 100 years from now, people will be talking about another twist, I'm sure, in the journey of the company. Um, now, I guess, I guess part of this you got to recognize, though, is, uh, is math. Now, you, now your supervisor knows how quickly you can get things done. So I think you probably... <laughs> set the tone for how, how quickly new innovation speed and products can come to market or are you thinking about that for next year's plan <laughs> that's quite funny because we we have a lot of nbd new business development activity in the pipeline and it typically takes four to six months but everybody's kind of looked at this and said hmm, well maybe we have a new operating model <laughs> of course the very next thing that the very next thing that someone said is well you know we need about another 50 or 60 people <laughs> <laughs> We just launched actually uh, a kosher whiskey. That project was 10 years in the making. When I was younger and new in my career, I, I was always amazed by the lead times that some products take <clears throat> to plan and develop and put, put to market and, and communicate to consumers. Because as a consumer, you just walk in and get so used to something just being on the shelf or you get on a web page and there it is and it just shows up. I was at the distillery yesterday staring into a fermenting vat that is going to become Pappy Van Winkle, 23-year-old, and that whiskey will go on sale in 2043. <laughs> and next month, we will be doing the distillation forecast for 2044 and 2045. So, so if anyone listening, anyone watching has an idea of how much we should make for 2045 be sure to let me know well as, as a as a retailer who uh, very rarely sees that product for sale and would always be happy to sell more whatever you forecasted you should do more i can, I can tell you that <laughs> yeah right about the brand that stuff well guys you've, you've done a great job uh with your brands you've done a great job this year 
Um, I know you're proud of your team. I'm, I'm sure they're they're proud of what they do every day, and a lot of uh, a lot of hard work goes into brands like the brands that you have. Um, I just want to say thanks for for your service as a supplier to Walmart, and also your service to, as a supplier who could be nimble enough to meet the demand of of what people really needed this year. Make such a big pivot. It's an inspiring story. So thanks for thanks for doing that, and uh, and also just thanks for taking the time with us. Anything you want to say in closing? No, you're most welcome. And I, and I do think it's been, for us, a very good project for teamwork because we've had everything from uh, food scientists being key to this to um, associates on the bottling line having to get it done. So it was, it was one of those projects that was a real opportunity to bring the workforce together as one team. And, and any time you have an opportunity like that, it's wonderful to see it executed. I think that the, what draws people to Sazerac is the, the, the ability or the opportunity to make an impact. And I think, you know, and certainly in this time and during the pandemic, our entire team was very motivated to be able to make a positive impact. And whether that was in their local communities or, or otherwise um, through donations and through hand sanitizer. And so it was just a, a fantastic story all the way around. Thanks to both of you. And uh, when this is all over, look forward to meeting in person and and we'll, we'll just talk about selling more product and hopefully things will be simple with them. But in the meantime, what you're doing is making a big difference. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much. It's been nice to be a part of it. Yep, thank you.